right, Central, how are we doing this weekend? Everybody good? Hey, it's great to have you. My name is Sean. I'm one of the pastors here at Central. So glad you chose to join us this weekend. I do want to say a very special welcome to those of you joining us at one of our Central locations. A big shout out to Central Summerlin and Sunrise Mountain, also to Southern Highlands and our friends in Kingman, Arizona. Great to have you. I also want to welcome our online audience. Joining us around the country and around the world, it is a pleasure to have you a part of the Central family. And as always, a big shout out to our friends who join us through our partnership with God Behind Bars. Welcome. We're so excited that you are here with us this weekend. Well, today we are we're starting a brand new series that we're calling Simply Blessed. So let's just start with this question. How many of you want to be blessed? Right? Just out of curiosity, is there anybody who doesn't want to be blessed? It's pretty kind of a universal concept. I mean, if we can be blessed, we would love the opportunity to be blessed. What's interesting is the word blessed, it's it's a word that we're familiar with, but it's a word that we don't use that often in in kind of everyday language. And when we use it, we sometimes will use it in odd ways. For example, one way we use the word blessed is when somebody sneezes. It's, It's kind of one of those moments that it's one of the acceptable ways to talk to a stranger, right? You're in a restaurant, some stranger blows a snot rocket across the restaurant, and what do we say? Hey, bless you, right? It's one of the ways we use it. Uh, I'm from Texas, which I know is not really a part of the South, but kind of that part of the country, there's a phrase that sometimes goes around where people say, bless your heart. Have you ever heard this? Basically what that phrase means is I can say anything I want to about somebody that's mean, it's cruel, it's brutal, and as long as I say bless your heart at the end, it kind of unwires all the cruelty that I just said. And so I can say, gosh, she is the most obnoxious, overbearing, ridiculous human being I've ever met. Bless her heart. And it like unwires it, it just kind of makes it all go away. Now, but, but for most of us, when we think about blessing, we tend to think about somebody gave us some sort of favor but that maybe was unexpected or, or maybe somebody rewarded some sort of achievement we had or maybe we kind of found our way to something that we've always wanted and we finally got it, we experienced it, and we feel some sort of blessing by it. What's, a, what's interesting about the word blessed is my guess is though we all want blessing, we might all, uh, 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 we might all define blessing in a myriad of different ways. So to kind of test that out this week, I asked my two kids, my two boys, they're 11 and 9 years old, if you were to be blessed, what would that mean to you? What would it mean for you to really feel like you're a blessed person? My 11-year-old Levi, he didn't skip a beat when I asked him. I said, bro, what what would it mean for you to be blessed? And he goes, more money. Like, your money, Dad, in my pocket. That would make me feel real blessed. But it's interesting, when I asked my youngest son, he, he threw me a little bit of a curveball. He gave me an answer that I wasn't really expecting. He thought about it for a moment. He said, I think blessed means to wake up after sleeping the entire night on a purple mattress. <laughs> really? That's your response, right? Have you heard about this purple brand mattress? Have you ever heard about these things? Uh, my son watches a little bit of YouTube at times. Apparently, Purple Brand Mattress does great commercials. They have convinced my nine-year-old that the blessed life is one that is lived after sleeping on a Purple Mattress. I don't know. I haven't figured it out. But nevertheless, he is all in when it comes to these things. But nevertheless, we would define the, the term blessed in a myriad of different ways. And typically in our culture, what we tend to think about blessing is, is it somebody who has it all. 
And when I think about somebody who has it all, that means they've got a loving marriage, they've got obedient children, that means they've got a successful job, they've got really strong friendships, they've got abundance of money, they seemingly have it all in that situation, we might call it blessed. But what I find quite ironic about that is there are those in, in our world that seemingly have it all, but yet this amazing sense of emptiness still reigns in their hearts. It's almost like from the outside looking in, they seem to have it all, and yet, in some ways, they have nothing at all. And on the other hand, I've met people along the way that from the outside looking in, it seemed like they didn't actually have very much. And yet, they're the most joy-filled, purpose-filled, meaning-filled people that I've ever met who really soak up the essence of life. They seemingly have nothing, and yet, they have everything. And so what does it mean to truly be simply blessed? I, I wanna wrestle with I this idea. What if being blessed was not about having it all? What if about being blessed was experiencing a God who owns it all? What if being blessed wasn't about having it all? What if being blessed was about experiencing a God who owns it all? And so to have this conversation today, I want to take us to the very first chapter of the Bible, Genesis chapter 1. And so if you've got a Bible, you can go to literally the first page of the Bible. Uh, if you don't have a Bible with you, no worries. We'll always put the words on the screen as well, and you can follow along with the words of the screen. Now, if you've ever read Genesis chapter 1, it is an action-packed chapter of the Bible. I mean, God comes onto the scene and God through his very powerful word just starts speaking stuff into existence. The entire universe is kind of recorded being created in Genesis chapter 1. By his powerful word God speaks into existence the stars, the moon, the sky, the entire universe. By his powerful word God puts the oceans, the rivers, the mountains in their place. By his powerful word God creates aardvarks and orangutans. God thinks up giraffes and hippopotamuses. I mean it was an amazing, amazing scene to look at the, the, the creative power of God in Genesis chapter 1. But you get the sense as you read the chapter that it's all moving somewhere, and, and truly it's moving toward the climax of the last day of creation, where God creates the, 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 the climax of his creation, the magnum opus of his creation. God saved the best for last, and on the sixth day it says that God created humanity. God created human beings. God created male and female. He created them. It was an amazing, amazing moment. So let's read it together. Genesis chapter 1, I believe we're going to be in verse 27. Help me out with the red letter words. Here's what it says. It says, so God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. So again, the sixth day of creation. I'm telling you, it was a climactic moment when man and woman came onto the scene. It was a really cool moment. But what we'll discover is that God saved the best for last. We were the most loved in all of creation. We were God's most treasured piece of creation. And what you'll discover as you continue to read through the book of Genesis chapter 1 is God begins to bless, God begins to bless these human beings that he created. And so if we want to lean into what it means to be simply blessed, the, the first principle we have to learn is we have to learn to look to God for blessing. We learn to look to God for blessing. 
You know, I think with a lot of things in our world, we have assumptions. And maybe sometimes with very simple things, we tend to have assumptions. I, I ran across a, a picture this week uh, on social media that I found to be pretty hilarious, and it's actually pretty divisive if you think about it. So I'm going to show you the image. Uh, here it is. It's about the proper way to slice toast. Now let me go through your three options really quick. Uh, is the right way to slice toast, is it diagonally? Is it horizontally, meaning you have a top half and a bottom half? Or is it vertically, meaning you have a left half and a right half? Now my guess is for all of us, you probably have one locked in your mind as far as the right way to slice toast. There's an assumption in you. So let's just kind of see where you're all at. How many of you would say that number one is the only way to slice toast? Help me out at all locations, number one. All right, good, good portion of people. Uh, how many of you would say that number two, you have a top half and a bottom half? You people are messed up. You really are. It's the only non-symmetrical way. You can't have a top half with two humps and the bottom half rectangle. That doesn't even make any sense. How, how about those of you who would say you're number three? You're wrong. It's number one. Can you imagine a grilled cheese sandwich that's not cut diagonally? I cannot, right? Now, now what's interesting about that is that, sim that simple question literally blew up the internet. We have all kinds of assumptions about the most simple things in life. Now, I know that that's kind of a silly little example about our assumptions, but if we have assumptions about the simplest things in life, don't you think we also have assumptions about the most significant things in life? And the truth is, we will make assumptions about God's blessing. And sometimes we'll make an assumption that, that God's blessing is somehow tied to our behavior, that if we do good enough, that maybe God will bless us. If we do bad enough, God's going to withhold his blessing. Or maybe we kind of have the assumption that, that God's really not a God who really likes to bless at all. But what we discover in the book of Genesis chapter 1 is, is a God who, who loves to bless. I'm going to read the same verse we let, read earlier. I'm just going to add four words. Again, help me out with a red-letter word. It says, so God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. Then look at these four words, then God, then God blessed them. I read this this week and I thought, holy smokes, what, what an amazing statement. This, for the very first time, I, I, I began to, to see something that I'd never seen before. I knew that we were the climax of the creation narrative. I, I knew that we were uh, the magnum opus of creation. I knew that there was a special place in the heart of God when it, when it came to humanity, but I'd never seen this before. God's first recordable action after creating human beings was one of blessing. I mean, think about how profound that is. When God created human beings for the very first time, he could have done a lot of things. But the first thing that he did is he didn't instruct them first. The first thing that he did, he didn't give them direction first. The first thing that he did is he didn't reprimand them first or warn them about what was possible. The very first thing that God does in all of recorded history in the Bible in related to human beings, the very first thing that he does is he blesses them. It says something about the character of God, that God is a God that loves to bless his people. It is intrinsic to the character of God. Uh, there's, there's a theologian, his name is Wayne Grudem. He's a kind of a biblical scholar, a dude that's way smarter than me. But, but, but Wayne Grudem says this, if you actually look at the presence of God all throughout Scripture, from Genesis to Revelation, and you watch when God's presence shows up in Scripture, 
more often than not, one of the things that's said is God blessed his people. God's presence is tied to God's blessing. God loves to bless. God loves to bless his people. It's a part of who he is. Uh, There's another statement. It's written in the book of James chapter 1, a little bit later in the Bible. But look at these really powerful words in in James chapter 1. Help me out again with the red letter word. It says this. It says, every good and perfect gift is from above. Coming down from who? Coming down from the Father. That every good and perfect gift, in other words, every blessing, every blessing comes from the Father. And what that says to me is this, is that you don't have to look around for blessing. You look up for blessing. You don't look around for the blessing, you you look up for the blessing. And what we discover is that the joy is not found in a bottle or a substance. Joy comes down from the Father. Security doesn't come from a promotion or a larger paycheck. Security comes down from the Father. Wisdom doesn't come from a self-help book or YouTube, which I understand they have some great commercials for purple mattresses, but wisdom comes down from the Father. We don't look around for blessing. We look up for blessing because it comes from God. Every good gift comes from the Father, of, uh, from the Father above. If you want to be simply blessed, the question is not, is God a God of blessing? The question is, are you looking to God for blessing? I think about it this way. Uh, It was over the summer that my family traveled to South Carolina for a a wedding of a really good friend. Uh, My wife was in the wedding. She was a bridesmaid, which meant that she was tied up with all kinds of wedding activity. I don't know what women do around weddings, but I think it involves hair and nails and all kinds of stuff that I don't understand. But nevertheless, my wife was tied up for the day, and so I was with my two little boys, and we decided we were just going to make a day of fun in this small town in South Carolina. Now, my boys love to be outside. We love to explore. We love a good adventure. And I heard that in this particular town, there was a small river that ran through the middle of downtown. And I said to my boys, let's go check that out. It's kind of this huge outdoor playground, and we were having a blast. We were skipping rocks. We were chasing ducks, which we probably shouldn't have. We were in the river, which was a lot of fun until the snake literally swam by one of my kids, and then I was out of the river. Not going to do that anymore. But one of the most beautiful spots of this river was this waterfall that that, that poured over into this river. It's a beautiful little scene. It wasn't a big waterfall, but it was a beautiful little picture. It was kind of one of those moments that I take a step back and it reminds me of this powerful truth about waterfalls. They pour water, but they never stop pouring over. I mean, you think about any container that you and I ever have of water, if we start pouring it out, eventually it will run dry. But the beauty of waterfalls is they never stop running. It seems to be this unending source of water that continues to pour over. Now, what I saw in South Carolina was a very small waterfall. There are massive waterfalls, even in our nation. I've never been to Niagara Falls, but I've seen pictures of Niagara Falls. And what I understand is there are 186,000 tons of water that go over the falls every single minute. 186,000 tons of water a minute. Minute after minute, day after day, month after month, year after year, it never stops pouring. It's this unending, unceasing flow, this this waterfall over. 
And I think that is, that's a picture of the blessing that comes from our God. He's this never ending, this source of blessing that just never ceases. It just continues to pour out from him and into our lives. 186,000 tons of grace pouring from our Father and into our lives. It's the Niagara of God's grace. Now you may hear that and you go, wait a minute. Like, time out for just a moment. That sounds really good and that sounds maybe somewhat inspiring, but, but Sean, in all due respect, that's not my experience. I mean, the, the truth is my, my wallet doesn't have very much in it. Uh, my relationships are kind of on the rocks. My job is a total disaster. My health is really on the decline. I love that you're talking about a God of great blessing, but that's not matching with the reality of my life. Can I push on you just a little bit? I think it would serve us well to expand our perspective of what God's blessing looks like. And so many times we want to define blessing by material things or physical things or temporary things. And what we need to recognize is that the, the, the Niagara of God's grace many times flows in spiritual things and ultimately eternal things. God is a God who recognizes a problem and looks for permanent solutions that will last for eternity. You wanna know about the greatest blessing that you and I have ever received. Our greatest blessing came in the person of Jesus Christ. He is the greatest blessing. He is the greatest reward. He is the pearl of greatest price. And the truth is, if you hide your life in him, you will find fulfillment in your journey. And what you and I know, if we live life apart from Him, we find a sense of emptiness. But a life in Him is a life of fulfillment. It's a life of blessing. Our God is a radically gracious God. Our God is a God that loves to give. And again, if we can expand our perspective of what a blessing looks like, many times the blessings come in the form of spiritual realities and eternal realities. God loves to give hope. He'll give you a future. He'll give you love. He'll give you grace. He'll give you compassion. He'll give you mercy. He'll give you a second chance. He'll give you a new beginning. He'll give you salvation. He'll give you eternal life. Our God is a giving God. If we will expand our perspective of what it means to be blessed, you and I will recognize as my friends, we are incredibly blessed people. There's 186,000 gallons of God's grace that is pouring out of him and into our lives every single moment of every single day. Our God is a gracious, blessing God. That's who he is. And so if you want to live a life that is simply blessed, don't look around for blessing. Look up for blessing. Look to God for blessing. Now that's not to say that some of the temporary things that we mentioned earlier can't also be a part of God's blessing. But there's a really important detail that I don't wanna miss when it comes to the temporary things that sometimes we think about when we think of blessing. Uh, again, every good and perfect gift comes from the Father, right? And so that means a good marriage, a good bank account, a successful career, obedient children, whatever that looks like, those are also gifts from God. But don't miss out on another detail that will allow it to become a blessing from God. Here's the second piece. If you want to live a simply blessed life, you look to God for blessing, but you also learn to do this. You learn to live out your purpose. 
you learn to live out your purpose. I ran across a couple of photos of some objects that I found to be pretty funny. Uh, they're everyday objects that kind of lost a little bit of their purpose. And so uh, here's the first one. This is gonna be very difficult to water your garden, right? If you wanna water your flowers, good luck with, with that particular contraption. Uh, here's the second one. I would love to see somebody sweep their kitchen with that broom, right? Uh, here, here's my personal favorite. Make sure when you go out to a, your next steak dinner, you take this fork with you. And so what's interesting about these objects, they're simple objects, the materials in of themselves are all there, but yet they're missing when it comes to their purpose. And the truth is you can have all the right material and if it's lacking purpose, you will find yourself incredibly, incredibly frustrated. And I think what we'll discover as we dive in a little bit deeper into really what it means to be simply blessed is it's not just about the provision it requires us applying it for a purpose. It's not just about the resource, it's about leveraging it for a reason. Uh, let, let's go back to uh, uh, the book of Genesis chapter one and, and we'll read the very next verse. Here's what it says. It says, then God blessed them. In other words, God gave them the, what they needed. It was their provision, it was their resource. So God blessed them. And then he says, be fruitful and multiply. He says, Fill the earth and govern it. He says, reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. What you see here is God begins to tie something together, and, and only when they're tied together do you see blessing. That God gives them the provision, but he ultimately gives them a purpose by which to apply the provision. He gives them a resource, but he gives them a reason to live. And the truth is, provision by itself is not a blessing. It may be a gift, but the truth is, if God gives us a gift and we do nothing with the gift, we will be frustrated because we haven't leveraged it and used it in the way that God desires us to use it. If God gives us some sort of resources, that's a great thing, it's a gift, but it's not a blessing. So the truth is, blessing is provision plus purpose. It is resource plus reason. I think about it this way. Uh, how, how many of you like Oreo cookies? Okay, Oreo cookies. Kind of a simple uh, idea. There's two parts to every Oreo cookie. You have the cookie part, and then you have the filling part. Now, I won't ask you which one's your favorite part. Truthfully, I actually don't really like chocolate. I know that that's like weird and un-American of me, but I don't really like chocolate. I love the filling part. I'm not really a big fan of the cookie part, but the truth is I, I can't really embrace an Oreo without embracing both parts. There's, there's two parts to every Oreo. And I think in, in many ways, that's what we have to wrestle with when it comes to, to blessing. There are two parts to it. There's the resource, but there's the reason. There's the provision, there's also the purpose. And until it's leveraged for its purpose, will never experience the blessing with it that God desires. Again, who likes Oreos? All right, you ready? Coming to you. Man, you, were, you had faith in me. I went right over your head and you didn't budge. Well done, well done. So enjoy those, maybe share them, right? Provision with a purpose. There you go. So let, let, me, let me think about it this way. Remember all those other things that we, we talked about earlier that, that it would be somebody who quote unquote has it all. Like they've got a, they've got a loving marriage. Uh, they've got um, a successful job. They've got you know, financial resources, whatever that looks like. 
Those are gifts. The question becomes, it becomes a blessing when it's leveraged for a purpose. And so if you're somebody who has a loving, healthy marriage, God bless you, that's an awesome, awesome thing. That's a gift. But if you want it to truly be a blessing in your life, you recognize that not every relationship around you looks like yours. And there's some young couples that are struggling. There are some people around you whose lives are on the rocks. And what would it look like if you take the gift that God has given you and you took the wisdom that you've learned over the years and you were willing to love one, invest in, shepherd another couple, then you will find a blessing. Because then you will leverage your gift for the sake of a purpose that's greater than yourself. Or maybe you find yourself in a successful career. That, that's awesome. I'm, I'm so incredibly grateful that God has given you that particular success. Every good gift comes from above. It's a gift. But it'll become a blessing if you leverage it for a greater purpose. What does it look like to identify a, a new college graduate that comes out of uh, a college and you recognize that this particular individual doesn't have a lot of family support, doesn't have a lot of support systems in their life. And so you choose to take that person under your wing and you choose to invest in them. You choose to give them something that they would never be able to get on their own. You know deep down they would never be able to experience success unless they were alongside of somebody who could help them get to the place that they were not be able to get on their own. You begin to leverage your life for a greater purpose. You will experience blessing. For some of you, you have, uh, God's blessed you with resources, with financial resources. That's a gift. It's a good thing. But it's not a blessing until you recognize that God gave you that for a purpose. You were blessed to be a blessing. And when you recognize that God has given you the ability to, to reach out to somebody who has a need and to take care of that need or, or possibly to invest it in something kingdom-minded or eternal-minded or, or in the mission of Jesus right here, whatever that looks like, what you will experience in that moment is you will find a sense of blessing. Blessing is tied to giving. And that's why all over the Bible, blessing gets tied to giving is because the purpose is in giving. And so I wanna challenge you, be people who want to be simply blessed. It requires you to give. So give respect to somebody, maybe who's not even respectable. Give honor to everyone, even if somebody disagrees with you. Give forgiveness to those who have wounded you. Give hope to those who need it. Give second chance to somebody who doesn't deserve it. It's amazing when you begin to give, you will find yourself in a place of blessing. You'll find yourself in a place of blessing. Here's what I've discovered. That oftentimes we overestimate the cost of giving and underestimate the impact that it can have in the life of somebody else. And that's true in every arena of giving. Whether we're giving honor, whether we're giving respect, whether we're giving a second chance, whether we're giving forgiveness, whether we're giving financially to something, we often overestimate the cost and underestimate its impact. It's kind of a simple little moment for me. It was just a couple of weeks ago that I was reminded of this lesson. Uh, I, I, I went through the, the drive-through at our local Chick-fil-A restaurant this boy likes to eat some Christian chicken at times. And I was in the, the, the drive-through lane. It was one of those Chick-fil-A's that has the double lanes, which is always a little complicated because they have workers way out taking your order before you get to the little speaker box that you can't really understand. And, and so somebody had already taken my order. And so we got all the way up to where the lanes merge 
and, and it's the awkward moment that you don't know if you're supposed to be in front of the other car, if they're supposed to be in front of you, and it's kind of, you don't really know, you don't want to mess up the Chick-fil-A line and the order and that kind of stuff. And so I kind of looked to my right, to the guy that was right uh, of me, and, and I could see through his driver's side window, he was a big dude. He was a big human being, and he was driving a car that was much larger than mine. And so I kind of assessed the situation. I thought, he just needs to go first. You know, he just kind of let this guy go. As so I was kind of trying to wave him on and he rolls down his window. And so I rolled down my window and he goes, hey, I think you're supposed to be before me. I'm like, whatever you say, bro, okay. And so I said, thanks to him. I said, that's very kind of you. And so, you know, I went in front of him and all of a sudden I kind of had one of those promptings. And I kind of thought, what if I just bought the guy's meal, right? It's kind of a simple little thing. I get those promptings a lot and truth to be known, I don't, I don't act on them very often. I should act on them a lot more. But this was one of those moments that I just chose to act on them. And so I just thought, oh, I'll just buy that, that guy's meal. And so I finally get to the place, you know, where you pay. And so I told the lady that I said, I'm gonna pay for the car behind me. And it was like, nobody had ever done that in her entire life. She's like, really? You're gonna do that? I'm like, sister, it's, it's really not that big of a deal. But yeah, I, I would like to do that. And I was kind of hoping to myself, it was gonna be a very small amount that I was gonna have to pay for it. but. She comes back to me and she, she says, uh, his bill is $37 and some odd cents. I thought, holy smokes, that's a lot of Christian chicken, but nevertheless, whatever. And I kind of, I mean, it was kind of interesting in my own heart. I even felt like $37, I don't, maybe I should tell her that I'm not gonna do it. He'll never know, we'll kind of move on life, right? <laughs> kind of overestimating the cost to some degree, but I thought, I've already told the lady I'm gonna do it. Maybe she knows I'm a pastor at Central. I should probably follow through with it, you know, that type of thing. And so I decided to follow through with it and didn't really think too much of it. I, I go and drive up and I was watching in my rear view mirror as he drives to the same lady and he finds out he just got free chicken. And I can, he immediately, no kidding, he starts like honking his horn and waving out the window that whole bit. And then no lie, this is what he did. I'm about up to the place where I get my food. The guy gets out of his car, big dude. I'm like, holy smokes. He walks up to my window. I'm like, hello, sir. And I rolled down my window and he goes, man, that's the nicest thing anybody's ever done for me. And I thought, that's the nicest thing anybody has ever done for you? You know, I didn't really say that, but that's what was in my head. And he goes, I've, I've had a really tough go at things lately. And I know this sounds crazy, but you just restored my faith in humanity and walked away. And here's what's interesting. I, I don't tell you that story so you go pat me on the back in any way. Here, here's, here's what I was blown away by. I was overestimating the cost. And I was underestimating the potential impact. I don't know what was going on in that guy's life. I don't know him. I don't know his story. I don't know what the hardship he was facing. I have no idea why he quote unquote lost faith in humanity and I have no idea why God used that moment to restore something far more significant than the moment would have made possible. It was almost like God took a really small gift and he somehow multiplied it in a way that's unexplainable. That's what, that's what giving does. And that's where blessing is found. And the truth is, as I think about that moment, I've never since that moment thought about the $37 that are no longer in my bank account. 
But I'll never forget the reaction of that human being to a moment of very, very small generosity. We often overestimate the cost and underestimate its impact. And as I think about what it means to be simply blessed, what it means to be simply blessed is we look to God for blessing. What it means to be simply blessed is we recognize that whatever God has given us is not the blessing in of itself. Whatever God has given us, when it's used for godly purposes, then we will find ourselves simply blessed. It's a couple of years ago that we kind of created a, what we hope to be just a helpful vehicle for people around Central, uh, something we call a generosity rock star. And what that means is it's somebody who's willing to contribute $20 a week to the mission of Jesus right here at Central Church, uh, to do so in a way that would propel life change all throughout this community. And again, I think the principle applies that we sometimes overestimate the cost, but we underestimate the impact. And what we know as we look over our shoulder over the past year, we, we saw 14,000 plus people make the decision to, to, to name Jesus the leader and the forgiver of their life. 14,000 people. It's mind boggling to me. And that was made possible because of 1,400 people who chose to be generosity rock stars. Think about that for a moment. For every generosity rock star, there were 10 people whose lives were changed for eternity. My friends, that's an amazing, amazing reality. And the truth is, when we think about giving, I, I don't want you to ever be misunderstood or, or, or mistaken in any way. God doesn't ask us to give because God needs our money. God has everything already. God wants your heart. And God wants you to be simply blessed. And it's just simply the vehicle by which we place our heart in the hands of God. And so I wanna encourage you to give, not because I want something from you, because I so desperately want something for you. I want you to experience the amazing blessing of the Niagara grace of our great God who wants to shower and pour out his blessing in your lives. So if you allow me to, I'd love just to simply say a prayer for you and ask for God's incredible blessing in your life. Father, we just say thank you. We thank you for who you are as a God who, who loves to bless your people. And Father, I personally say I'm sorry that sometimes I don't even recognize it because my focus is on so many other things instead of looking up to where the blessing actually comes from. But God, I say thanks for your blessing of love and mercy and grace and hope and a second chance and a new beginning and salvation and eternal life and all the amazing things that you've made possible through the, through the person of Jesus Christ. But Father, as I look at the many gifts that you poured out on us, would you allow us to not see the gifts as a blessing in of themselves, but directly connect those gifts to a greater purpose that you give us? And in that, God, would we find that we are simply, simply blessed. We love you. Thank you for Jesus. We pray that in his name. Amen.